Hard BN. Afternoon. Afternoon. How you doing? Doing good, man. We were just having a disagreement about the uh, about the, the various merits of the season. So you want to go ahead and argue for why summer's great? I, I mean, I I'm a summer person, but I completely understand people that aren't. Oh, like, now you're now you're softening up. No, I'm not. I'm not softening up. I still think I'm right. I just I understand. Like I'm only a summer person if because I'm privileged enough to live in a society that has air conditioning. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like I love being hot outside. Um, but like I hate being hot inside. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love the sunshine. I love shorts. I love t-shirts. It's easy to dress. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, there's definitely a lot of fun things associated with summer too, right? Yeah. You don't have the kid. I mean, the kids are in school, so and and, you can. Uh, now, to be fair, like you said, yours is fall, right? Yeah. I like fall. What I don't like about fall, fall is like a longer Sunday to me where you know work's the next day. Uh-huh. That's, that's how I feel about the fall. It's like I just, I'm anticipating winter yeah. and, I, and I despise winter. Yeah. Um, everything's wet and dirty for like three or four or five months and I just can't stand it. So that's yeah. what fall is to me. I don't mind the actual fall weather. It just feels like a Sunday yeah. all the time. I hate it when it's so short here because sometimes I feel like fall is like a week Right. Well, I mean, you we're go looking, from like having T-shirts to having a coat on two weeks later. So it's going. It's, it, like I was talking to my wife. Uh, it's currently while we're recording this, like 80 degrees outside, mm-hmm. and on Tuesday, a couple two days from now, it's going to be high of 68. So we're not even going to see a 70. It's going to go from 80 yeah. to 60, and then yeah, that that does suck. That's uh, what I want. Is like I want to be comfortable in a sweatshirt and jeans. And so if that's spring, if that's fall, that's like that's where my comfort zone is. So. And I don't like coats. I don't even like even when it gets really cold, you have to push me hard to wear a coat. It's just I don't cuz again, you're cold and you wear a coat and then you go outside or you go inside and you're hot and I just I hate that whole balancing act. So Thank you. Oh, you just got I just got my burger. food here. I got a uh, That looks good. What's that? What's the official name of that here? I guess we should do it. We should start the actual show instead of talking about the weather. <laughs> uh, I got a grilled tuna sandwich. I haven't had this one before. Marinated tuna steak. They said it was sushi-grade tuna, which sounds impressive to me. Um, <laughs> provolone, pickled cucumber relish, sriracha mayo. Thank you. You're very welcome. And arugula on a brioche bun. I'm a big fan of arugula, too. You so. never hear a place advertise non-sushi-grade, though, do you? That's true. I don't know who's getting that shoddy <laughs> tuna. <laughs> this is tuna, but don't put it in sushi. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that, like, stuff I make the tuna salad out of at my house. They, yeah. probably, they probably say there's a sushi-grade. It's just all ground up and put in a can with yeah. some, some right. oil and stuff. Yeah. Right. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Have you had anything new on the menu yet? Um, you know, I haven't. Because I'm doing, and we're, I'm sure we'll get to talk about this when our guests arrives, but like I'm doing the 75 hard challenge thing. Okay. And so I'm really watching what I eat. Um, so I haven't enjoyed eating out anywhere okay. uh, recently, really. Well, I'm just going to uh, just slurp this up and right in front of you, too. Oh, I don't mind. So. I don't mind. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, what caught my eye uh, on the new menu they just came out with were these Bria tacos. They have beef Bria tacos, which... It, I haven't heard of that before. Is so that, I'll read the description, but then I'll tell you kind of what I've seen. It's corn tortillas dipped in an ancho beef stock filled with braised shredded beef and melted cheese topped with a fresh pico de gallo served with lime wedges and a side of ancho. Uh, I, got, I think that last word I'm supposed to read is consomi. Consomi? Okay. I, I don't know what that word is. I could be much pronounced that. But I've seen these burrito tacos, tacos other places, and they dip it in this beef stock before they throw it on the grill. Um, so it gets like this nice crust to the taco. And it's super good. I've had them one other time at a different uh, at a Mexican restaurant, and I was excited when I saw those on the Little Beaver menu. So, right. yeah, that's on my to do list here, though. Brand new menu, mm. and I, just real quick, I know we don't want to talk about sponsors for too long, but we do appreciate them. 
uh, I like to take a shout out because they have three or four non-alcoholic beers on their menu. Um, I don't think any of them are little beaver beers. They bring them in from other breweries, but still to have those options is pretty awesome too. So I'm enjoying one from Bravis uh, Brewery right now. It's a blonde ale, and I appreciate that. Yeah, very cool. Even for the non-alcoholics, they can still... Non-alcoholics, that's not what I meant to say. (laughs) Non-alcohol drinking There's someone who drinks like way too many non-alcoholic beverages. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But they do have options here. Yeah. Cool. So yeah... um, you, we're having uh, Eric Rankin stop by in a little bit. You said you had some ideas and stuff to talk to him about. Yeah, well, I mean, Eric's been on the show before, and we've talked, uh, I think, a broad range of topics with Eric. Uh, I really, uh, we usually t- like lean towards politics with him just because he's you know, a political science uh, uh, professor at ISU. Um, both of us are, are politically involved locally, but today I really wanted to just talk to him about uh, life, honestly. Like, him and I have very similar journeys over the last probably 18 to 24 months. Uh, you know, some of the things, like, a lot of parallels. We're not, we're not all the way parallel, but a lot of parallels. So I've, I've been wanting to talk to him for a while, um, and I thought needing a guest on the show that he, it would be a good time to do it and record it, right? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, looking forward to hearing more about that. I always look forward to seeing how uh, large Eric's biceps are every time I see him, too. It seems like they just get bigger and bigger. So yeah, we'll they get bigger, and then he gets leaner and leaner, I think, too. I think that's what I've noticed over the last yeah. couple, uh, last while is that he's just cutting so much of the excess body fat off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this this time of COVID is a good time to disrupt your normal lifestyle and, and get on something different. So You, you know, that's uh, one of the things that motivated me. Um, it was probably, shoot, probably March or April 2020. Uh, I would say April, May, because it was it, we were in COVID for about a, in quarantine, I should say, for about a month or so. But I was trying to start to make some changes here and there, and I had a friend uh, message me, and they, they said, you know, and at that time we had no idea if this thing was going to last a couple months or a couple years. And they said there's going to be some people that come out of this thing um, worse than they were before, and there's going to be some winners. And like that phrase just made like re-energize my mind a little bit. Like you're right, like you can depends how you want to take this, um, and yeah. so. I, I think Eric was along the same lines. I think that he used that as a fuel to to do something different um, and refocus. Like I like to say, recenter yourself a little bit. And, and I don't want to get too much into it before Eric gets here. Um, but it's really just prioritizing your life a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. What's um? I mean, I've talked before about. Sorry, this sandwich is delicious. No, you keep going. Um, people have told me that one of the. Uh, I got another criticism of the show recently. It said, every time I listen to you, you make me hungry at the beginning to talk about the food. That's the point. I was like, that's, yeah. It's <laughs> not a criticism, Sarah. <laughs> that's a feature, not a bug. That's that, That's what helps Little Beaver support the show. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. And if I didn't like it, then... Well, I think that's important the truth. to people to know. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not going to tell you we like something when we don't. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Um, yeah, so I... It's been... It's been interesting to me to see, how would I put it? It's like overall stress level for everybody is still higher than average, but we've all adapted to it, right? It's the water we swim in now. Yeah. And like it it comes out in different ways, but that's what I'm hearing you say, which I appreciate. It's like that stress is pressure, like it's energy. Where are you going to put that energy? Are you going to try to direct it in a way that's constructive, aligned with your goals? Or are you going to just have it like uh, chaotically... You know, come out anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think unless you're intentional about it, it can 
create a lot more chaos, right? Because you're bringing that stress, whatever, wherever that stress is coming from, whether it's, you know, work, maybe you got to go back to the office, you weren't prepared for that. Maybe you can't wait to go back to the office, but your company's not. Or maybe it's family where you're trying to juggle kids and what's, you know, COVID acceptable for extracurriculars or not. And like there's all these extra pressures and stresses. And if you don't be intentional about where to funnel that energy, as you said, like it's going to just create more and more chaos and friction and, um, I mean, I've seen that in my life. Like, I've seen where things get overwhelming, and I don't handle it well. Mm. So I think that's that's what made me want to make sure that during this time, which I knew was going to be crazy. I mean, all we kept hearing in spring of 2020 was how unprecedented this was. That was that was the buzzword. So knowing that if it was unprecedented, and I've already been felt pressure and stress that this was only going to add to it. So that was my wake up call to make sure I, like I said, put put on some uh, you know tunnel vision and. Yeah. focused on the right things. Yeah. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't think I mentioned this to you, but I started going back to Farrell's this week. Nice. Or last week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. Yeah. Just going like three days a week. Hit yeah. two. Um, before, people who don't know, Farrell's Extreme Body Shaping, um, their big thing is like a 10-week program to get you into it where you go six days a week, eating program, uh, do that for 10 weeks. And I did that. It was great. But it was a bit too much for me. Like, the six days a week is a lot, and it was really disruptive to my family. So um, I needed to balance somewhere between. But then I went back to zero, right? <laughs> yeah. Zero is not good for anybody either, um, especially once I started having to put dress clothes back on again. It was not good for me. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I'm doing, like, three times, which fits in with my wife's workout schedule and stuff. Uh, it's very good, though. I, I enjoy it. It's a, it's a lot of fun to come and do some strength training, do some kickboxing. Like it's it's been really good. Farrell's for me. is a great program. Like I I, I quit going to Farrell's um, a couple months ago, and that was the most one of the most difficult decisions I've had over the last few years. Is because I absolutely love the gym. I love the people. Um, there was two main reasons that I stopped. There's one is because I could tell I just needed to switch it up. Which anybody that's been in fitness for a while, they know that like sometimes you just you need to switch some things up because mm-hmm. you get bored with it. And I'd been doing it for over two years. And you're uh, used to it too. Like your body is used to it. Yeah. Results. Yeah. And and the other is a little bit of an injury. I uh, I hurt my left shoulder. Um, AC joint, and I went to um, physical therapy for it for a, for a while, actually for several months, and it just never really got better. And it doesn't hurt all the time, but what hurts it is repetition. And when you're kickboxing at Veros, it's exactly what you're doing. So yeah, the yeah. consistent jab on my left on my left side just just hurt so much that I I, I found myself not going as often as I wanted to, mm-hmm. and so that's why ultimately I decided to switch it up a little bit. But um, whenever I talk about Veros, I, I definitely praise him because I was in it for over two years. Honestly. For the cost, it's one of the best gyms in town. Like the, it's, it's incredibly oh, yeah. affordable for what you get out of that program. Yeah. So, and the community, like, it's such a such a cool, energetic, like, positive community. Absolutely. Well, before I went in, <clears throat> I'm actually talking to Adam Richards, the the um, manager. Remember, the owner is that uh, a no, business manager? Business manager. Yeah. Talking to him on the podcast a year or so ago, kind of got me over that hurdle because I imagine going in the kickboxing thing. You know, a bunch of macho guys screaming, <laughs> throwing each other around. Like, uh, it's anything but that. No, yeah, yeah. There's definitely screaming, but it's more like championship screaming, right? When yeah. you just hit that bag one more time than you think you're able to, and you, it feels good. I think that's – Farrell's is such a good thing for – some. I mean, it's good for anybody, but it's a good thing for someone that has not jumped into the fitness world yet because I think there's a lot of intimidation uh, when people think about going to a gym. But what Farrell's does is it lets you realize that you're only battling with yourself. You're only competing with yourself every single day. Like, 
Uh, one of my favorite things that's been stuck in my head that's related to that is Tony Robbins. Uh, I, I saw a little clip of his video about the time he interviewed Michael Jordan. And he said, hey, what makes you the best player in the world? Is it all the practice? Is it all this? And he kind of rambled off stuff. And Michael Jordan just said, no, I just I, I want to be the best Michael Jordan I can be. I want to be better than I was yesterday. And that's that sentiment is true for all fitness. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm 38 years old now. Like, I'm not trying to compete with anybody else. Mm-hmm. I have my left shoulder, my left knee, my left hip. Like, my whole left side of my body is pretty much tore up. Um, but I can still compete with myself. I can still go out there and be what I better than I was yesterday. And that's kind of what Farrell's teaches you and gets in your head because there's so much intimidation when you walk into a gym yeah. and it doesn't matter what you look like, what your experience is. Um, you can, you can get something out of that program. So. I've heard it stated as don't compare your beginning to someone else's end. Right. Like we've taken different paths in life, uh, especially, you know, us nearing 40 now. Yeah. We've made our choices. We've chosen to do certain things, close other doors. Um, our bodies have evolved in certain ways, like <laughs> injuries have accumulated, right? There's yeah. different barriers different jobs different lives you know and so then looking at somebody who um like i say we let's say we're inclined to compare ourselves to somebody who doesn't have a family um has a has a like a lower intensity job and hasn't had any major injuries well if that person's like really into fitness yeah they're going to be like leaps and bounds ahead of us right we, we're, we're setting and so it's not relevant to say like i want to be better than that guy it's more about can i be better tomorrow than I am today, right? That's my, so I I share this often, but like my big audacious goal that I set for myself about a year ago is I want to be the the optimum human. I want to be the best Justin I can be by age of 40. That means the best shape of my life. That means mentally, like the most clarity I've had. I want to, like I've suffered depression and anxiety for a while. I want to like feel more in control of that than I've ever felt. Like I want to have all those things and I put the deadline of 40 because it's a nice round number. Mm -hmm. And because I think it allowed me enough time. I think often we set those goals. Those are like, big goals. Huh? Yeah, like often we set goals of like six months, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna have patience. I'm gonna do this right. Um, but that's that's my goal is by 40 just to be like I said the most optimum version of myself that I could be. Yeah. Um, and hopefully I'm on my way there. But that's that, that's some of the stuff I want to talk to Eric about too. Is just um, I mean we've both made lifestyle changes and and made hard decisions on some hobbies that we. Um, you know, used to be really involved in that we decided to take a step back from. And mm-hmm. it's all those kind of decisions that I think COVID helped us refocus, like we talked about earlier, but also just a point in our lives too, where it's, um, you know, is this, is this really what we're going to be doing? Um, is this going to bring, bring me joy uh, or is this something I can cut out and, and fulfill that with something else? So. Yeah. Yeah. 40 is kind of looming big to me, but not in, um, I don't think in a negative way. Like, it's just, it seems like, give or take, it's halfway, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you're, like, full, like, there, there's no messing around at 40. Like, you are definitely full-on adult. Like, a lot of your paths are set. It's kind of, in my mind, like, one of the big times. If you're going to make a big directional shift in something, like, it's a time to do it. And so, um, I think yeah. when you don't, when you don't take that ownership, that's when you get that, like, midlife crisis, right? Someone who feels like they haven't really like taking control of something that there's a problem and then it like kind of manifests itself maybe in a convertible or something. Well, I I think it's, I think it's okay to have a little bit of both. I think it's just important to know what areas of your life you want to be content with and what areas you don't. 
and I mean, I think you mentioned midlife crisis. I think that happens when people have, haven't thought about that yet, mm-hmm. and they like they wake up one day and they go, "Oh God, I'm almost 40 and they kind of freak out mm-hmm. <laughs> and go, "Oh, I, I I wanted to do this 10 years ago. I just better go do it now." I, you know, and yeah, that's that a better happens, way of saying it. Yeah, where you know, it's just taking a step back and being like, you know what, these are the areas of my life I really, really enjoy. And then I, the other side of that is these are the areas I don't want to, I don't like really that much, and I still want to do these things. Is that possible? And just taking taking a little bit of inventory on where you're at um, and what you can still accomplish. And like I said, I mean, I want to be in the best shape of my life at 40. And I mean, I was athletic to a certain degree. I wasn't like an all-star athlete, but I was I, I was active, younger. But I want to be in better shape than I was then. And mm-hmm. I think that's still a realistic goal. I mean, I gave myself enough time. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm more disciplined and driven now than I was back then. So it's those kind of things. It's just taking stock financially too. Like I, that's, I, we probably won't talk about that as much on the podcast today with Eric, but that's something else I've refocused over the last 18 months. It's like, you know, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? How, how do I, how young do I want to be when I retire? Is that still possible? Like all these types of things help just focus. I mean, I keep saying that word, but just really narrow that vision to what's going to help me accomplish the things that are truly going to make me happy. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. Um, I was like, um, I don't know if I call myself a jock in high school. For simplification, I'll say I was a jock. My primary motive, my primary thing I thought about and did was basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, like, from a physical standpoint, that's going to be my optimum point. Was when I was 16, 17. I started having some injuries. Wasn't able to complete the season when I was 18. Changed a lot of my priorities. Um, so it's weird to me because I know. I'm never going to be in, like, technically speaking, physically that good of shape again. I'm never going to be able to – like, I used to run play basketball hard as I could for three hours and not get tired, right. right? Like, it was ridiculous. There's no way I can do that now. But also, I mentioned I got injured. That's because I was not exercising in a smart way. Like, I just wanted to jump high. I just wanted to be fast. I wanted to impress people. And so I wasn't being smart about it. And I burnt out. My knees got all screwed up. And they're still messed up to this day. I'm just doing dumb stuff. And so there's, there's a type of fitness like, with, like that, right, where I want to be able to go hard for a number of hours. But there's also like what, it, what in your life is a good baseline of fitness? What's a sustainable level of exercise and fitness where you can do all the things you want to do in your life and you're not going to cause yourself a bunch of injuries or just be miserable the whole time you're working out, right? And I think that's up to the individual, right? Like same with money, finances, whatever. It's yeah. what, what's going to keep you happy. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's different for everybody. Uh, you know, if for some people like I make, you know, making 40, $50,000 a year, working nine to five, have plenty of time to do whatever you want on weekends and all that stuff. Like that's happy. That's joyful for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Some people that sounds like hell, right? Um, yeah. You got to define it for yourself. You can't let other people define it or, or think, just... Or just go with whatever's in front of you, right? Because then you, yeah, you don't have control over it. And I think people do that in both ways in that, like, I'll just use the job example because I just mentioned it. But, like, there's people that find themselves in that 9 to 5 and go, what am I doing? I hate this. And then there's people in that 9 to 5 that, like, see the, that, like, entrepreneurism is, you know, somewhat a buzzword and popular right now. So, like, they, they got to get their side hustle, which I, <laughs> which I hate that term, by the way. Um, but they got to get all this stuff going on because they feel pressure to do that because everybody else is doing it. So I think it can happen both ways. You got to, again, take inventory and decide what makes you happy. Yeah. Um, I don't see a lot of correlation between the happiest people I've met in my life 
happy, you know, being a, maybe use a better term than that. People who seem to be living a good life, I don't see a correlation between that and the type of job they do or how much money they earn. No, I don't either. Clearly there's a baseline, right? Yeah. You got to have enough to not be stressed out about money all the time. But, you know, you, uh. I think there's studies like that, like seventy. Well, I, 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 someone needs to fact check this, but I think it's like seventy thousand. Anything over seventy thousand, like you're incremental on, on how happy, yeah. how much happier you get. Yeah. Um, you know, people who, like, I know several people who are really passionate about music, and so they're like, I'm gonna get a job that'll support like my house, and then give me enough money to buy any kind of music stuff I want, and then I'm gonna play music. And that's gonna be my life. Uh, I got a lot of respect for that, right? Like, they know what they like. They know what they're going to do. They're going to come in, do a good job at their job, but they're not looking to be, like, the next manager, owner, whatever, because that's not where they put their focus. They put their focus on, I'm in this band and I care about it. Like, respect to that, right? Hey. Other other people, their job is their their passion. It's their calling. Like, a lot of teachers I know, right? They're like, yes. Yeah. You know, I don't make one. a ton, but I spend 80 hours a week doing something I love that I know is important. I'm influencing kids like, in a positive way. I'm engaged in this. Um, you know, that's that's success as well, too. So you've got to define it for yourself and go after it, right? Yeah, I, I'm just always a, a very cautious of when I hear advice, like, um, from both directions. Like, the, we'll go, I'll take it back to fitness. Some people are like, hey, you got to make sure you don't eat this or make sure you don't eat that. <laughs> you have to work out five, six days a week, and three of them have to be strength training. It's like, well... For you, <laughs> and then yeah. and then there's some people that are the opposite. There's some people like, man, you can't you can't kill yourself like that. You gotta enjoy it. You gotta enjoy that. And like what I'm doing right now, I'm pushing myself really hard right now. I'm working out two times a day, seven days a week. Oh wow! And I'm sticking on a diet. Okay. And pe- I've heard that. I've heard like you're gonna burn yourself out. You're gonna appreciate your concern, but yeah. <laughs> like for me right now, this is good. Is there a certain number of days you're planning on doing that? Yeah, it, that's the program. It's a, They call it 75 hard. Anybody could just Google that and probably okay. get the information. Um, but for 75 days, um, every single day of those 75 days, you work out twice a day. Once of those work, One of those workouts has to be outside, no matter the weather. Um, you have to read at least 10 pages every single day of a nonfiction book. You have to um, what else? I drink a gallon of water every single day. Okay. You, you No alcohol. No cheat meals, nothing like that. You got to take a progress picture every day, um, and if you miss any one of those things, you start from zero. Like, don't fucking lie to yourself. I just dropped the <laughs> f bomb on the podcast. Sorry, uh, but yeah, like, don't don't lie to yourself. And I think that's the biggest part of it. Like, there were especially when my daughter was in softball. I had my second outside workout to go for the day, and it was ten o'clock at night when we got home from a doubleheader. And I'm like, I gotta go for it out. I gotta go walk outside for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, that exercise can be walking. It can. It doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be like high intensity. No. Get your heart rate right. No, what I I would say 80 percent of the time, my outside workout's been walking, walking yeah. or riding my bike yeah. uh, for 45 minutes. Now, I did buy a weighted vest uh, to give walking a little bit more of a challenge, um, mm-hmm. and then my other workouts usually at the gym, strength training, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's way more of a mental challenge than it is a physical challenge yeah. because you can't lie to yourself. Um, and, and after that 75 days, I think that's what – I'm on day 50 uh, today, so two-thirds done. Um, and that's what I've gotten the most clarity on is just that, like, I, I can do something if I set my mind to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's – don't give yourself excuses. Don't BS yourself, and you can do it. But my, my point in the beginning was just some people are like, that's, that's insane. That's stupid. But, like, it's helping me get to another level. And I'm like, I get it. Like, it's not for you. I'm not, I would never go to someone and go, I prescribe this because yeah. this is going to make you a better person. Yeah. I know it's going to make me a better person. Yeah. 
Um, it's a prioritization challenge too, right? Absolutely. It's a, so mentally, I mean, you got to you got to overcome mental barriers you have, but then you also have to think about okay, how do I usually spend this time? If it's an hour and a half of exercise a day, what am I usually spend this hour and a half on? What can I cut out that I don't care about as much as my health? Hundred percent. And, and like I said, I never missed a daughter, my daughter's softball game because of it or anything. So I did miss other things like that weren't priorities to me, right? So again, it helps you reprioritize that. Yeah. It's like, do I really need to watch that half hour sports center or whatever I was doing, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, it's not that important to me because this is more important to me. Um, yeah, it, it's it's good. Like I said, way more of a mental challenge than anything else. Um, you got to stay close to a bathroom because you're drinking a gallon of water a day. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> I, rem- I remember we, t- we talked about that when I was in Ferrell's. I was like, I feel like I am just constantly in the bathroom. But well, and, and if, <laughs> it's funny. Everybody says, that would be the hard part. I go, it was for about three days. Then you get used to it, and then I'm like drinking a gallon and a half a day yeah. without even trying. Yeah. Um, but it's um, the most difficult is time management and just like I was I, my wife went for the walk with me yesterday and I said there's not been one time on this challenge that I said I can't wait to go on this second exercise <laughs> like every one of them I've not wanted to go but I've gone on every one of them and I, I think that's the mental hurdle that helps you understand that as you go yeah. through it so do you usually uh, walk like the dog or walk with the podcast or are you just with your thoughts how do you do there uh if i'm by myself i'm usually podcasting it um because and that's something i never did like i everybody used to make fun of me because we have this podcast and i didn't listen to that many podcasts mm-hmm. i would wait for like a long road trip and that would be my only podcast time but yeah i've been listening to more podcasts um 10 happier is one that i really got in that i've gotten into uh dax shepherd's podcast i really enjoy he's got some great guests on there um but yeah when i'm by myself i do that my wife's gone with me probably now i would say over 50 percent of the time she's gone on walks with me which has been great right like to yeah time with her especially with kids you don't often have that time alone um so that's been good and that's something else too like it's easy to beat yourself up about what you did in the past right but when your kids are younger you are more restricted in what you can do. Absolutely. It's important not to beat yourself up. So now, uh, how old's your daughter now? She's uh, uh, 12? about 12, yeah. 12? Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my that's my oldest one is 11. So uh, my youngest one is 7. So he's still, like, a little bit young. Where I don't know if I'd feel comfortable leaving him for 45 minutes. But if I'm going to walk the dog and all three of them are home playing Nintendo – like I'm totally fine taking a 15, 20 minute walk with them, and that just gets easier and easier as they get older, right? And um, yeah, I mean, like tonight, today I'm planning on playing catch with my daughter outside, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. And you can incorporate that into you find you find time to do what what yeah. you prioritize. Um, it's been nice with COVID too, how the basket got emptied largely, mm-hmm. and then we're getting to choose what we take back on. Hundred percent, and, and a lot of different ways. To do that. Um, I friend I, I, another thing I go to I walk with friends sometimes too, um, so uh, <laughs> Eric just texted me by the way he said he's on his way he's doing his best to hit every red light. Okay, all right. <laughs> but um, I was walking with a friend the other day on, on my workout, and we talked about that with relationships, like some of those we, we I think we use friends as a word that's too universal, um, but yeah I think that we like look it helped COVID helped us look at some of those relationships and like is that person someone that I want to continue to have any sort of relationship mm-hmm. with yeah you know because it gave us that excuse it gave us that reset button of like 
I'm not adding to their life. They're not adding to my life. Yeah. Uh, not that I don't like the person. It's just like I'm spending too much time with that person that we're not adding mm-hmm. any value to each other. Um, my opposite. circle has definitely gotten smaller. And the opposite, too, where there's people, there were a couple people in particular I could think of where they're kind of casual acquaintances. But then during COVID, I realized, like, I want to I want to get to know this person better. I value them and spend more time with them. Um, kind of nurturing friendships too, right? For sure. It, go, it goes both ways. Um, I mean, especially for me with work where there's very few people regularly coming back in the building at State Farm. So there's a lot of people. I, I had a lot of casual interactions with people, which I really enjoy as an extrovert. It builds me up, right? It's yeah. nice. But I, I think then that kind of filled me up and made me feel like they are my friends. And it's not like they're not my enemies, right? But they're, they're work people, and then when work goes away, I don't interact with them anymore. And, and, and you interact because you're working together. So now the distance we have, it's much... <laughs> you're not just going to casually, like, Skype call somebody and be like, hey, man, how are the kids, right? right so right. it creates more of a distance there, more time to reflect on, like, there are people at work who I think I'm genuinely friends with. There's other people I'm acquaintances with. It's a good time yeah. to, to clarify those relationships. Absolutely. Not everybody's that, that friend that... I mean, like I said, I think that's a universal word that we that we use that yeah. maybe we should stop using. Facebook so hasn't helped anything. No, it hasn't. Um, and that's another thing I know Eric will talk about too uh, is social media and throughout COVID how that's kind of been amplified because that's our that it, that was our social circle yeah. for a year over a year. Um, not that it wasn't a huge part of it before that, but it really became all encompassing. Um, I myself have, I, and I'm not going to tell anybody when because I don't want to be that person that posts, like, I'm taking a break from Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. But I, I do have in my head, like, I'm going to step away from all social media for a period of time, um, sometime over the next year or so, just because I need a detox yeah. from that, too. Well, it was really hard when you were an agent because that was part of your business, right? <laughs> it was. It's very, very hard to step away from that. Yeah, and right now, um, I don't need to be on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need to be on it today, but, like, I'd be lying to myself if I said it wasn't going to be a challenge to step away. Like, I'm a, I'm a slightly addicted by the means of, like, when there's a commercial on TV, my first instinct is to pick up my phone. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that, that's not good. <laughs> I should, yeah. my mind deserves to think without my phone telling me what I should be thinking about. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, it's so, a tool. We got to control how we use it. Focus, yeah. you know, to your point. Yeah, so it's, I, I think a detox from that is a good thing. So I, I hope to be doing that, uh, yeah. doing that soon, too. I was really good for a period of time where I had my phone plugged in away from my bed. Mm. And that was huge. It was a really big benefit to not pick that up the very first thing in the morning. I've now crept back into having it over there again. i got to push it back out, back into my office. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I love when I tell people that. Their first thing is like, well, I use it as an alarm. Like, well, they had these things called alarm clocks. They cost about 8 bucks at Walmart. You can go grab one. Like, if you think that's a change you want to make, don't let the alarm clock feature be your barrier. Like... In fact, I'll give you an alarm clock if you want one. I got plenty. Um, uh, Ryan Holiday, he's an author, um, and I keep bringing up Eric like he's here, but he will be here soon, I promise. We should uh, start talking trash about him until he gets I here. I know. But he, I, he actually loaned me a book. Um, the Aaron, uh, This guy writes about uh, stoicism, but I follow him on some social media. Now we're speaking of that. But he talks about how the first thing he does every day is go for a walk. I can't remember how long it was, 30 minutes or so. And he does that before he picks up his phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so like yeah. he, he wakes up, goes through his morning routine, goes out for a walk outside, and then he'll, he'll look at his phone. Yeah. And that's that actually resonated with me because a, a lot of what I'm reading now, they talk about meditation and journaling, which both of those things I'm terrible at. 
And but that I was like, it's a form of meditation, right? When you're mm-hmm. in your own thoughts, walking. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if I could get in that habit, uh, that would be healthy too. Before any outside influence touches me in yeah. the day, I can kind of have my own thoughts to myself. Yeah, I mean, going in priorities, like what else says priority? Then this is the first thing I do every day. Yeah. Like the minute I wake up, this is what I want to do. For a lot of us, that's our phones now. Uh, someone at work just pointed out, he said his church has a challenge to say, before you touch your phone for the day, touch some scripture. Yeah. Like, for, you know, for if religion, that's your priority, then shouldn't that be the first thing you're thinking about? Shouldn't that be the first thing you're doing? Um, Which I'll throw the non-religious part in there. Even if you're not religious, like shouldn't the first thing you be doing is paying attention to your to thoughts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. The, the secular equivalent of that, going for a walk, meditating, yeah. doing something, or just... Like sitting with a cup of coffee. Right? I'll tell you, since this, so I, going back to the 75 hard challenge, because I have all those things to cross off, I've gotten into quite a routine to make sure I get a good start to the day. Mm-hmm. So I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning. I uh, do my morning routine, come downstairs. I make a little pre-workout drink to give me some energy. And while I'm drinking that is when I read my book. I read my it's minimum 10 pages. I usually read a few more than that because I hate stopping in the middle of a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's when I read. But I've noticed since I've done that, like, I, I won't say I haven't looked at my phone by then, but, like, just the fact of reading that nonfiction, mine's usually either a business or a personal development type book, uh, for the first, you know, 10, 20 minutes of my day has made a big difference on yeah. what I think about the rest of the day, right? Like, you know, depending on the book I'm reading, like, I read a book on real estate investing. So, like, the whole time I was reading that, all parts of the day, when I started my day on that, I was thinking about, okay, if I want passive income, this is what my goals I can hit financially to make sure I can buy rental property or do whatever I need to do there. Now I'm reading a book called Winning um, that's talking about like champions like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and stuff. And, and I'm like, wow, their mentality is so great. And I'm thinking about that throughout the day because I start my day with that 10 or 15 minutes of, of reading about it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, same with scripture. If you're a religious, you know, if you want to have more of that thought process throughout your day, like mm-hmm. you should start your day with it. It will yeah. carry over for the rest of the day. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I just, uh, you've seen The Last Dance, right? The oh, yeah. Oh, Michael yeah. Jordan documentary. Twice. Oh, man. <laughs> was... so, so the book I'm reading real quick before you get into your story yeah. is, is actually by Tim Grover. Who is in that movie? Oh, yes. He okay. is the uh, he was the personal trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant okay. and Dwayne Wade. Okay. Uh, so a lot, and Michael Jordan was his first client. Was with him for like 15 years. Um, sure. So his insight into like how champions think and how like those competitive people think is fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, I, I heard him on a Dax Shepard podcast. Then I bought the book. Um, so good stuff if you want to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what motivated you to see it the second time? I just well, I grew up. I mean, we all like our age, right? Like, mm-hmm. I never missed a Bulls game for eight years. I mean, even the two years in between when the Rockets won, I was still watching yeah. every game. Yeah. Um, so it just brought me back to my childhood. I I related so much to like being a kid, and mm-hmm. I just I, I watched it the first time with my family, and then I rewatched it, um, and then I still see clips every time I see a clip pop up on TikTok or YouTube. I still got to watch the clip. Like, yeah. it just I love the I love it. It's very it was very cool period of time for our culture a lot of yeah a lot of big impacts there well and, and it gives you an insight on like Michael Jordan um, how different he was as a champion like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't well liked yeah. and that was okay with him Which you w- talking about me? because <laughs> you weren't well liked <laughs> not well liked but he's a champion <laughs> you could have at least done that before I said that oh we were we've been recording uh, we've been recording for 36 minutes so Dang. far 
We devoted 32 minutes to things we don't like about you. So. <laughs> oh, that's, that's actually less time than I thought it would take, so that's a good thing. But now you have about 10 to defend yourself, so yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about the Last Dance documentary. Have you seen that Michael Jordan documentary? I watched half of it. I mean, I guess I should say the Bulls documentary, not Michael Jordan. Yeah, Bulls. it was good. I mean, the part that I watched, it's just, I think it's difficult to watch things of people that are blatantly full of themselves. <laughs> Like, and I like Jordan, but it's like there's an over-the-top sense of self-worth that, that, that he exudes to an extent where I can see why so many people disliked him. Well, I, I, I think of confidence, it's, like, it's that confidence, confidence and arrogance argument. Sure. But I always think, like, if you can back it up. Oh, and he did. <laughs> like, well, that's, that was so interesting to me because, so I was overseas when all this was happening, but I was really big into basketball, and Michael Jordan was one of the things that inspired me to be into basketball. Sure. I never saw a single game, though. Like, no one watched the games. I just, I knew Michael Jordan. I had a poster on my wall. Like, he was, like, a role model, but I never actually saw him play basketball. Yeah. Um, and so I was, like, it was really interesting for me to meditate on, like, what was that? What was I looking up to? What was a role model for me? And then to see in the documentary, like, yeah, he could be kind of an asshole sometimes. Like, that was really eye-opening to me. Like, okay, you got this positive part. You got what you see on Space Jam, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's an edge to it, right? You don't get that good unless you've got an edge where... But I think that's there. such a good lesson uh, for everybody is that we're not perfect. Oh, yeah. Like, like our sure. idols, some of our idols, like Michael Jordan, like, to your... To, your, to, to quote you, like, he mm-hmm. was an asshole. Yeah. Like, but he also did a hell of a lot of good things. Sure. And a hell of a lot of bad things. When well, he's that, under so much pressure and so true much for us all, right? That's, I mean. Yeah. Isn't that true for every icon, no matter what the generation is, right? Because I'm a big junkie into stoicism, but when people would look back and they'd say, well, you idolize Marcus Aurelius, but Marcus Aurelius, you know, he, he oversaw Rome at a time period where there was slavery. Marcus Aurelius must have been a horrible person. And to the extent where, yeah, by my 2021 values, owning humans is a really bad thing to do. Um, So, yeah, with everybody, there's some bad stuff. Um, And and that's, I think that it also, it humanizes them to a big extent. I mean, what I liked about the show was seeing Michael Jordan cry, you know, right, and break down. And, like, he struggled with with a lot of things. his, the thing that I've always taken away from him the most, um, I think it was Carol Dweck who wrote about right fixed fix mindset versus growth mindset. She talked, she always used Michael Jordan as an example of, here's the guy, like that old Nike commercial where he came out and talked about all of the shots that he missed and all the game-winning, you know, the game-winning shots that he missed too. Uh, the best story about Michael, Michael Jordan is that he failed all the time. Mm-hmm. But how often do we remember his failures? Uh-huh. Almost never. Yeah. Yeah. Almost never, because they're so overshadowed by all of the incredible things that he was able to do. So I, I think that all of us could be so lucky as to, you know, at the end of our life, for people to remember the positive stuff rather this, than the negative stuff. This conversation I honestly just had with my wife two nights ago um, about just... Life doesn't go the way you think. You're going to have some bad periods. You're going to have to do some bad stuff. But, like, at my funeral, what do I want people to say? And I yep. said, what I don't want people to say is that he was the best dad, he was the best husband, he was the best friend. I go, I really don't want that. Nope. Because it's bullshit. Yep. <laughs> I said, what I would like is for people to say, I never saw anyone try to overcome their failures as much as this guy. Yep. 
Like that's what that that would make me if I was able to see it very happy. Yeah. Because I know I messed up a lot. Like we all we all have chapters of our life we don't want read out loud. Yeah. Right. And, and there are definitely those for me. But I want someone to look at that and be like, man, he remember that time he messed up really really bad. But look what he did after that. Like that. I think yeah. that adds. That's the lesson and legacy I want to carry on. Not that I was this perfect person and no one would think that anyway. But Same vein, what you're talking about. Uh, uh, some of the clients that I've started to work with, kind of on a one-on-one, we can talk about that later. Um, uh, one of the exercises that I do with them is a eulogy. Um, yeah. a, a eulogy I had to do that. Exercise. And so I had them write, have your significant other write your, you know, write your eulogy. Have your mom and dad write your eulogy. Um, have a coworker write your eulogy. Have four to five people. That's like a Stephen Covey thing. It is. Yeah, yeah. And, no. and, and really step back and then look at, is there a unifying theme that comes out of this eulogy? Do, and do I see that theme, right? If everybody says something, which when I did this, everybody said something about my humor mm-hmm. and my ability to teach. So he said, well, if you're not doing something in your life where you're able to teach and use your sense of humor, you're going to be profoundly unhappy. Sure. So Makes sense. there's, when you find out, right, what, but what you think many times of what yourself and what your strengths are, I'm the best dad or I'm all these things, and you kind of like, nobody said anything about me being the best dad. Nobody said anything about, and these are things that I kind of thought about myself. Mm-hmm. If other people aren't seeing those things, maybe some of those things just either they're, they're not as important as other things, um, or I have a mistaken opinion of myself. Which, which most of us do, I Which think. most of us do. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to be objective Both about Both good ourselves. and bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'd say more on the flip side that most of us are overtly negative towards ourselves. Sure. Um, regardless of what type of a social media presence we, we sell that other people, you know, that we're always happy. I mean, right. And that's not just, you know, talking about people that like social media. Um, I can't I, wait to get this conversation. I, I have plenty of <laughs> Eric and I text like back that. and forth about social media a lot. It's <laughs> expect, and what I love about it too is, well, that you know, instead of texting back and forth, you should just post something really like aggressive on Facebook, and then you can argue, <laughs> argue in the comment section, or go like the Panagraph <laughs> comment section. You could have a conversation because there. Of, because if we argue on Facebook, better. I would yeah. win because yeah. that's the argument. Because I would be gone. <laughs> because that's the argument. Oh yeah, now Eric's, <laughs> Eric's not saying anything yeah. clearly. And that's and it's funny that Justin and I probably agree on three things in the world like I mean there's just we haven't found that there's much of a difference between us I don't know if haircut I don't know if we've highlighted this one just because it is a good one to really to really show that there are different ways of looking and I think his ways are I don't think that his view is wrong I, it's just it's just not the what I think is beautiful about it and we're probably need to preface all of that um, <laughs> yeah we, we probably should share a backstory yeah um, but I think what it's cool about it is that it will show that two people can look at the world differently and both can be right so let, since we're on it and we, we Tyson yeah, and I you talked, just jump right in so let's, let's kind of frame this up a little bit here Tyson and I before Eric got here we, I, I mentioned that I'm actually going to take a break from social media at some point Welcome. I don't I don't want to say a date because I don't want to yeah. be the douchebag that's like I'm taking a break but, but at some point I've been that douchebag before <laughs> but at some point I, I, I'm going to stop being on social media for a while um, however you and I have very differing views on this yep. you, you, you think it's the devil and, and I'll let you I'll let you yeah. add on to that and in my opinion is that it exposes us for who we are. 
Sure. So, mm-hmm. so if you're an asshole in, in real life, you're going to be a magnified asshole on social yep. media. Um, and what I try, and, and vice versa, what I try to do on social media, which I'm not perfect at it, is I try to be as authentic as I can and show as much as me as I can, good and bad. And I think the more people that do that, the better evolved social media will become because then we're not all just looking at the highlights, right? Yep. Um, so I think social media is misused. I've agreed with you on that a lot. Uh, but I think it, it, it's not going away. It's, it's a good thing. I think it keeps us connected. I, I, I can dismiss all the crap about kids being on social media hurting us because before that it was TV. Before that it was sitting in front of the radio. Like <laughs> We've been complaining about that for a long time. I think it's just we got to manage it in our lives differently, and it happens so quickly that it's being mismanaged right now. I sent you an art article. I don't know if you saw it pop up I saw on it your pop phone, up, but right? Yeah. Uh, the Atlantic just did a piece on this, and this is the first time that I finally have read something that just made me go, yes, this is what I was trying to get at when it comes time to social media. Social media is like alcohol. It has all of the same qualities. Alcohol can be used absolutely responsibly. Um, it can be a good thing. It can also be a terrible thing used in the wrong way. It has a tendency to magnify people's um, views of themselves and unfortunately usually negative. It tends to reinforce feelings that you have in the short term to the detriment of the long term. Most people are not controlled with their use of alcohol. Alcohol is so easy to become abusive on, not because I think I think where the your example of it it exposes who you really are. I don't know if alcohol does that either, but what I do know where the similarities are stark is that they're both addictive. Right? And social media is addictive to the point of I like the feeling of putting myself out there doing something and getting lots of people liking it. Uh-huh. And because of that, that makes me feel good. And so when I do something that makes me feel good, the enticement is I'm going to go back to doing it again. And I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And, and I think the, um, the reverse or the mirror of that is when you do something and you're not getting a bunch of likes, you don't like it as much even though normally you would. Right. Right? Like you do something that you're proud of for yourself yeah. and you're like, no one else cares. Nobody else cares. I guess this wasn't as cool as I thought right. it was. <laughs> and, and I think that, I think that like alcohol, your example of, it's not going away. Social media is not. Sure. It, it, and so, I think it is interesting. When I saw that article, I immediately, I'm, I'm on my way right here thinking about it going, we're going to be doing an interview in a bar <laughs> with at least two of the three guys that don't drink. Sure. And why don't we drink? For di- completely different reasons. Yeah. I don't drink because it doesn't align itself with my health values. I wanted to see my my body and my my spirit, my mentality. I wanted to see. I wasn't. I had no addiction issues whatsoever. None. Just like social media. I've used social media and I'm absolutely not addicted to it. But I, what I will tell you is, is that when I would use alcohol, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel positive. I didn't take anything away from it. So I'm like, why am I doing something that doesn't make me feel good? So I have to treat social media the same way. And I did, you know, and you didn't give me the advice, but I love that you said it, right? Because I have done the, 
I'm taking a 30-day break, and then I disappeared. And I really never posted that much to begin with. E- even posting that in itself. E- right. It's, it's a total douche. Just take move. a break, right? Yeah, yeah. Just take a break. And then don't think you're so important that everyone's like, yeah. like oh, man. Now I'm going to write this down. Justin's not going to be on social for 30 days. Like, what am I going to do? Better change the plans, you know. Yeah, so Better now mark that on my calendar. Justin's back on August 1st. I had to. <laughs> the one thing that I also didn't want to do. You have so much to tell us. Oh, gosh. I better follow up with him on August 2nd. Just like just at see my what's home, happening. I still have alcohol in my house. Yeah. I just don't drink it. Yeah. I can. At any point in time, I can walk right to my bar and just start drinking my bourbon. Mm-hmm. I still want to. Same thing with my social media. I didn't delete my accounts because that would have been, you know, purging it from my life, never coming into a bar. It's, I need to exhibit, I took it off of my phone. If I do interface with social media, I do it on my computer. I can't tell you yeah, the last right. time I've done that. Which is, which, <laughs> do is it, man. which really changes the whole dynamic. It really, it really does. does. It makes you like, why am I sitting on my damn computer yes, doing typing this. this message to some I random do guy it. who doesn't like Russia? I have a $1,300 MacBook that yeah. I don't use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's because the phones have, the things that they've done for us is, is a lot like a lot of the relationships that we have in our life. They're... They're mindless. Mm-hmm. They're not. There's no depth to them. It's just oh, we flip through. My friend pool is, is fairly small, and I mean it's not. And it's not because I don't like people. It's just because I started to realize that some of my friends were like Facebook friends, right? They. We talked about this too yeah, before you. They're not, yeah. They're not real. They're they're fake. And it's and I don't mean that. Listen, if under other circumstances and they were in our orbit, probably we would be friends, but. Speaking to two dads of kids that are super busy in life, like at this point in time, most of us in our experience were glorified chauffeurs that are mm-hmm. going to work and then shuffling kids to and from practices, and then it's getting into meals. And before you look at it, you see your your significant other for 25 legit minutes a day, and then it's right to bed right. Um, to get up and do it again tomorrow. Uh, and that's and that's where when I when I continually kept coming back to it, I was like. I asked the client I was working with, and and they they kind of pivoted on me. I said, I always ask, what's one thing you could stop doing right now that would make your life better? What's one thing you could start doing right now that would make your life better? So nine times out of ten, the answer is I could stop using, I could stop mindlessly scrolling on social media. Sure. What would you do at that time? Well, it's interesting that a lot of it, like for me, it was the same thing. I could stop scrolling social media. What do you want to do? God, I want to read more. You know, a great solution for all that time that you're scrolling through that's not there anymore. Now you've got time to go read. Now you've got time to, I've wanted to pick up a new language or I've wanted to start working on a new business. Well, I can do that now because I got back, for some people, it might be, two, three hours of your life. It, it is, and it adds up in small increments, yeah. right? Like like we were talking earlier, Tyson, it's that you know three minutes between a commercial or, or when you wake up, you're doing it for 20 minutes before you get out of bed yeah. or 30 minutes bef- as you're laying in bed before you go yeah. to sleep at night. Yeah. Like, we were talking about how what you do right out of bed is a really good indication where your priorities are. So the first thing you're doing is grabbing that phone. Think about how... You know, it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, my family's my priority, my spirituality is my priority, my health is my priority. But how you really act is a much better indication than what you're saying. Agreed. You know? I, my phone isn't next to my bed. 
It's up and across so the room. So he succeeded. It's going on my tried that. Yeah. I did it. It was great. And then yeah. it just snuck its way back in. I don't even know how yeah. it happened. I will yeah. not. I put mine on a chain around my neck. So, <laughs> <laughs> free basic. So when I wake up, the very first thing I do is I call it my AM bookend. All right? And so my AM bookend, with the idea that your, your day really starts the night before. I've got my clothes set out for the day. I have meditated before I went to bed so I can get a really good, solid night of sleep. And not just a night of sleep. Like, I'm finding that a lot of people are horrible at sleeping. And they have, they first of all, they think they know how to sleep and they don't. Um, they think, well, I, I sleep for eight hours. Like, you're in bed for eight hours, but you're sleeping for six and a half of those. You're drinking alcohol. You're never really getting into, or you're eating, you know, late before you go to bed. Um, so you're getting really poor sleep, and you're wondering why. Well, I'm sleeping eight hours, and I still feel really tired. If you sleep, if you sleep a good eight hours, you cannot feel tired when you wake up the next uh-huh. day. It's it's a great indicator. The human body is it is it, it is the the most sophisticated computer that none of us are very good at interpreting the language from. I mean, if you're not a person that speaks in you know code, if you look at C I mean, it's this makes no sense to me. Well, that's because you can't interpret what it, what the signals that it's sending. And so, in the morning when I wake up, I've set myself up to have a good morning, do my hygiene stuff. I come out, I journal before I've touched the phone. I log um, all of my statistics, so I track my weight every day. I track my mood in the morning. Um, I set myself up for my meditation and my breath work that I do every morning, my cold showers that I take. I refuse to look at email or any social media, um, any media period, until I have completed all of that. So usually it's 9 a.m. before I've looked at anything. Uh-huh. So I'm going to back up. So <laughs> I, I was talking before you came here, Eric, that one of the reasons I came you on here is because we have a lot of parallels over the last, like, 18 months Big to time. two years. Um, and you touched on something two, three minutes ago that I want to go back to. You said... I can't remember what exact words, but it's you can add a lot to your life by subtraction. Right? Yep. It's it's what you could take out of your life mm-hmm. that matters, and that's what we talked about a little bit when mm-hmm. COVID started. Just it was kind of a nice reset because a yeah. lot of things just went away anyway. Without a doubt. Um, and then you could kind of build up from there. So you that routine that you just went through with us was probably created because of COVID. You, COVID, sure, yeah. but it's because you took out stuff to yep. to do that, right? Yep. You mentioned social media being one of them. But like it was, we were talking like it's friends too. It's yep. uh, it's friends. It's hobbies. Now friends it's, is kind of a weak word yeah. that we use for yeah. all all manner of yeah. creatures. <laughs> um, and it's just, it just helps. It, like this whole eighteen months for me, eighteen nineteen months for me, it's just been a refocus. Yeah. Like it's I don't need that. I don't need this uh, drinking. Right. Yeah. Like I don't need that. That's not helping me get to where I want to be. Yeah. Um, so I guess social media is probably a part of that for me. And it's really interesting. You you linked it to alcohol. Uh, and the, and the addiction part is because one of the big reasons I decided to quit drinking is because, like, drinking less was too hard for me. Without a doubt. Right? Like, like I I was drinking, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just have, I'll just drink on Saturdays. I'll just drink on weekends. Like, yeah. that's really hard. Uh-huh. Like, that is extremely hard to do, especially in my old line of business. It was extremely hard to do. Quitting was easier. <laughs> it was just like, I just don't do this anymore. Well, there's a, uh, I, I, I'm really struggling as to who wrote it. A hundred percent is easy. 99% is harder. Oh, that's because, interesting. Yeah. Because, right, if you say 100% of the time, I'm not going to eat fast food, 
then when you drive by McDonald's, it doesn't matter. I'm not stopping there. But if you only do it 1%, right, one or two times out of your entire year, well, is this going to be the time? Is this going to be? It's constant it, anxiety, right? It takes more effort yeah. to, to kind of do something than it takes to just go all in on it. And then your math gets wrong. It does. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's only 1% of the time. It ends up being 10, right? And typically, once you break... Yeah, it's done. It's just easier to keep breaking. Yeah. Right? I mean... Well, so that's how drinking started with me. I, I said 30 days. And, yep. I got, and then day 31, I was like, why would I... I'm good. I'll do 90. Then I got to like 90. like, I don't know why I would go back. So um, I, want, I want to jump in real quick with... Yeah. Um, there's a... I will say what I hear here is uh, someone who raised in Europe. I hear a very American perspective on alcohol yeah. here. Where I think that the... As I understand the history of alcohol in this country, German and Irish immigrants coming in, running up against Puritans and, and religious uh, restrictions, Wacko. prohibition, trying to make them feel unwelcome in the country and destroy their be- ability to operate economically here. Uh, my ancestors, basically. It, there's not like as good of places for alcohol consumption healthfully mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. There's a concept they have in Germany called Gemütlichkeit, which means a feeling of oneness and togetherness with the people around you. Mm-hmm. It's at like Christmas markets, it at, it's at downtowns, and it's like 99% of the time it's because there's alcohol there. Not because sure. there's alcohol there, because alcohol is there. It's a bunch of people, it's from kids all the way to, to grandparents, all sharing a space. No one's being loud. No one's being unruly. There's kind of like a nice buzz of people around you, and you just feel like you belong and you have this sense of place. And, you know, someone could say, well, why do you... So so I, I see glimmers of it here. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's why I like to go to baseball games, because baseball sure. games are good to because everyone sort of knows what they're doing there. Mm. And there's going to be the annoying loud guy, right? But they kind of stand out because, hey, I'm just sitting here trying to enjoy the game. I'm just, I'm standing up and singing the songs and doing the wave and all this stuff. Yep. And so... You don't do the wave at Wrigley. So, <laughs> they actually don't win at Wrigley either. Oh, okay. So, right. Right. <laughs> so I say all that to like... There's the other thing, Justin, and I don't agree on. <laughs> that's the... That's the um, that's what I look for in my alcohol consumption is getting together and having conversations like this. It's things that go on here at Little Beaver yeah. where you look down there and you see just people are having a nice yeah. time hanging out. And so somebody would say, well, do you have to have alcohol to do that? You don't. But I could also say that, okay, you're going to have a party. You're going to have people over. Do you have to have food if you do that? Do you have to have snacks? I mean, you could just have people over and have no snacks, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, well, technically, but like... And aren't snacks bad for you aren't they yeah How so it's like I'm gonna to have a birthday it? party but I'm not gonna have cake yeah. like uh, mm, okay like you can if you I want but proper proper cakes, use cakes overrated. overrated I'm gonna have a child's birthday we should party do a high, uh, overrated underrated show <laughs> like so, that's, so that's my that's my defense is I think there is a place you can use it but I could I will understand I understand that like drinking by yourself right before you go to bed not a good idea nope Hang, hanging out in one of these like just alcohol shacks where it's just like a big open room where they're just giving you Bud Light like and yeah, you're sucking. But see, I, not a good. I, I'll jump in here real quick because I think that's the conception of people that drink too much mm-hmm. is like the person with the brown bag around a burning barrel, and and that's yeah. and that's not the case most of the time. Most of the ca- most of the people I know that drink too much were a tie to work. Yeah. <laughs> most of the people that I know that drink too much go out after work. And it starts as an hour and it turns into three. Yeah, um, that's that's my reality. Yeah, and that makes sense. and so it's not like when you think of the people that drink too much or that have a drinking problem, they have families, they have good jobs, they mm-hmm. they got sucked into whatever societal culture 
drinking alcohol thing that we have here in America. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I've done some research on European countries and their the, their attitude towards alcohol compared to ours. Yeah. Actually, what a really interesting thing that they blamed it all on uh, the alcohol companies shipping pallets of beer over to the troops uh, mm. because oh. that's what started the binge drinking sure. uh, oh, in America because they brought it, obviously, when they came home, I heard they about that. brought yeah. back binge drinking. Yeah. I just thought that was super interesting. Well, and it also... So I'm not saying don't do your thing. I just don't want to act like, like I don't look down. There's a villa, there's a, I don't want to like vilify it. No, especially where we're sitting having a good time talking. Right? And no. I don't either. And that's the, you know, the. I find that alcohol has its, and that's it's one thing that I always am very, I get a little worried about is that people that know that I don't drink. Um, when I first started, when I first started to go back to the zero drinking. It was because I had recognized I was I was struggling with my time at, in the McLean County Democrats, um, just some toxic people and politics in general and toxic relationships. And every meeting tended to swirl around some type of alcohol. Sure. So I started at meetings. I started getting O'Doul's, but I was I actually was kind of ashamed of it for whatever stupid reason because. If somebody sees you drinking... It's a pretty it, shitty beer. It's, it is not the best, right? It's the <laughs> only saying, one that they the, had at much, the Radis. In much the realm of NAs, it's still a pretty shitty beer. Uh, much they, better uh, non-alcoholic beverages yeah. here available. That's true. They, when, they, when they offered, like, when, when I put it in a glass because then nobody would say anything to me, right? It would be, oh, he's drinking. But if I if they saw me drinking in O'Doul's, what's going on? Why are you not drinking? Then 100%. I had to, then I had to talk about it. Yeah. Dude, and I, I didn't want yeah. to talk about it. I talked it. about that in that I, I wrote a blog on my one year yeah. sobriety date. And up till that date, there were less than ten people that knew I quit drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I did I held it in for a year and yeah. didn't tell anybody for a lot of those reasons. Yeah. Right? I don't want to talk about it. I don't wanna I don't want you to think something that's not true. Yeah. I don't I just I, but yeah. then it felt really good to write that blog in a year because I just got it all out. Yeah. I was like this is and, and for me, uh, just since we're on the subject of drinking, here's why I quit drinking. Sure. I suffer from depression and anxiety. Alcohol helped with that until it didn't, sure. and then it became the and problem. Then it made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I recognized that, and I recognized the poor decisions, and I was like seriously incapacitated with depression, like laying in my bed, couldn't move, and. It's like, what am I doing? And that's when I quit drinking, and I started working out like crazy. Yeah. And I just re- reorganized my life. Right? Yeah. And so that was me. It was just, I. it was an underlying condition, mm-hmm. and alcohol helped that for a while, and then it made it much, much worse. And then I had to stop. Yeah. Um, and, and since then, it's been amazing the help it's done for my mental health. But to your point, Tyson, I don't look down on people that drink, because we're all unique. Like, yeah. most people... A lot of people, I, sh- I, won't, I won't even say most, a lot of people don't have that problem that I had. Yeah. Um, but I do get, I do judge and I do get irritated yeah. when I see people, I'll use, I'm looking at you because you're around, I'm sure a lot of these people like I am, that are fitness enthusiasts that eat nothing but vegetables and lean meat and then go out and binge drink yeah. <laughs> on a Saturday yeah. and they judge everybody for their yep. health and that I get a little judgmental. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not faulting you for doing what you're doing. Don't fault this person for doing what they're doing. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm, I was the same way. Mine had nothing to do with depression. It wasn't how I felt. It was, I have a family history and in both sides, uh, not just my family, but in my wife's family of issues of alcohol and alcoholism. Um, and I wanted to make things easier for some people that I knew that were struggling. If I wasn't doing it either, then there was no pressure on them to, to do it. Um, And I just, I I didn't touch a drop of alcohol to the day I turned 21. I went through college. I was in a fraternity. It's insane. I just, 
it never. It's insane to me. To me, there is alcohol always tended to. I, I agreed with the. It magnifies. All right, I'm it gonna, does to a certain extent. I'm going to agree and disagree with my somebody, I, and I think it was my wife who said people drink for one of three reasons: because it's there, because they are looking to feel, or they're looking to stop feeling. Thousand percent right. So <laughs> that's the and the just because it's there can lead into the other two, Absolutely. right? Um, and I found myself I never drank to feel. I feel I feel enough. Um, I've never needed to stop feeling something. Mm-hmm. I just drank it because it was kind of, I started, it was the social pressure. Mm-hmm. And then I started realizing, but do I really want to do this? I don't want any headaches. I don't want any. Now, I will also come back and say, my wife and I probably wouldn't be together without alcohol. Um, I had been together, I had drank, I had been drunk maybe four times in my life. Other than the one night I got up the courage to ask her to date me. So, um... <laughs> It can have positive outcomes, sure, sure. right? Yeah. But I, at this day and age, uh, and I think COVID was a great example of this, of that reevaluation. What do I need in my life? What do I not need in my life? I came to it. You came to it from a mental health perspective. I came to it from a physical health perspective. I came to it from a lot of perspectives. Yeah. That, that was one of them. The mental health was... It started... The, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean... When I start, we and, and I, we could talk about this too. But like, I've been going to therapy, uh, talk therapy for a couple of years now, yeah. and like yeah. talking through some of that with, with my therapist too was just like, it was a chain reaction. Like everything got better. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I made a lot of change at once because yeah. that's tend to be my my mo is yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I'm going to change one thing, I'm going to change Let's ten things. Um, so like, I changed jobs. I quit drinking. Yeah. Like I did all these things, and I just incrementally saw my life get better and better like my relationship with my wife instantly better like relationship with my daughter instantly better like my health like I quit drinking and that was healthy for me and like wow now I I always worked out but when I'm working out and not consuming a thousand calories of alcohol a day you get a little bit better results right so so like I saw I saw improvements in health and health with that and that only magnified me wanting to do that more and then that helped to other areas of my life so yeah I mean just it's a chain reaction that um, I'm, I'm curious Justin um I'm curious if you can relate to this. I just heard it recently about, I was listening to a podcast about video games because it's something I'm really into. And a person said that she found, she realized with some introspection that her drive to like play video games and succeed was actually like a manifestation of anxiety about failure and actually extended to a lot of her life where she wasn't as motivated to do things and succeed because she really wanted to do them. She was just afraid to not do them. And it was like, Fear of failure was her ultimate anxiety. Um, not trying to get too personal into your stuff, but that really resonated with me, and it's something I've been dwelling about. I wonder if, like, because you're involved in all kinds of stuff, right? I wonder if, if that kind of makes sense yeah, to you. Yeah, for sure. It makes 100% sense to me. And, and, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, all right? Like, like, like everything we've talked about so far, it can be mismanaged, right? If your fear, if your if, uh, Michael Jordan in the book, I, I'm reading a book that uh, Eric um, with Tim Grover. Grover. Oh, uh, no, not really. This is, okay. It's his newest one, winning. Oh, okay. uh, but same probably style, right? So he talks a lot about Michael Jordan, and he tells a story about uh, when I think it was Connie Chung asked if Michael Jordan had a gambling problem, and he just laughed. He goes, "No, I don't have a gambling problem. I can quit gambling whenever I want. I have a com- competition problem." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, "I have to compete at everything I do." I don't think that's a bad thing. 
can it be overwhelming for a lot of people and be a bad thing for some people? 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah that can consume your life. And, and But, like, for some people on some things, that can drive you to be much better and much... Like I said, the challenge, challenge that I'm doing now is 75 hard. Yeah. Like, it can be extremely unhealthy for some people to jump in and do that. And they could fail, and then they could feel like a failure, and, like, it could really get to them. Yeah. For me, I think it's making me a better person. Yeah, I sure. think what you have found, there's, there's a, I think there's a kind of a niche in, in self-help books that are it's pretty prevalent right now is this idea about discomfort. Um, and you're 75 hard, doing other things of that nature. It's... Um, we're a pretty comfort-based society. Um, people don't want to do things that are hard um, because, A, they're hard. Um, and we have created this. So it's funny, what, the gym that I lift at, there's no air conditioning. We'll get a new client in there and they'll be like, what is wrong with this place? Why am I burning up? Why don't they turn on the air? You came to the gym to have air conditioning? Yeah. Like, I want you to think about that for a second. I actually wear masks when I exercise all the time yeah. now. Because we were like, oh my gosh, didn't that make you so tired? Like, yeah, I'm exercising. Like, we actually, I'm doing. <laughs> it's funny, in triathlon training years ago, we were wearing masks on treadmills. We used to get, before you know, when I was, was cool. But way before it was cool. Like, we were doing it on there and people were looking at us going. Such a hipster. They're, they're going, what are you doing? But it was a way to restrict your breathing. It was a way to increase your lung yeah, capacity. And when you take it off, you feel like you're a Superman. It's like but a weighted vest, right? But it is. Yeah. But it's, everybody wants to. It's so funny. COVID hits. I shift out of, um, out of really out of politics, like, hard stop. Like, it was like. I, I, saw, that, I saw that as, like. I don't know if it is. I saw that as the turning point of when I saw you start to change. Yes. Is when you when you dropped out, you just took a break, you took a step back, and, and that was your reset button. It was, and I took this big deep breath. I lost forty pounds. I got in the best shape of my life. I re-engineered myself from top to bottom. I felt better about, much like you, better about my relationships with my children, with my mom, with my my wife, um, my friends. Everything just started to get better for me. And a lot of that was putting myself in situations that were uncomfortable. This is, this is hard. Meditation, mm-hmm. forget it. G- lifting, easy. S- picking up heavy balls, running around with you know 25-pound weight vests on, easy compared to sitting on the floor of my bathroom trying to focus for 10 minutes, watching my brain jump from everything. Um, and it's a humbling experience to, to be able to go, why can't I do this? But it was also bringing up other emotions that I wasn't thinking about previously. And now I'm actually dealing with them, journaling about them, writing about them, being okay with failing at something. Yeah, it's Recognizing big. that, it's gosh, big. I'm no good at this, and that's okay. I don't know if, A, I want to be any good at this, uh, and B, can I use that failure to make me a better Sure. Whatever it is that I am, yeah. And I, I recognized at some point that, you know, somebody had asked me, so why was it politics for you? What is it? What is it that made you do politics? And I always thought that the best way to affect change was to affect change on a macro level, right? This is where you can get a lot of things done yep. for a lot of people, and and I still think that that's true. My problem is, is that we the people and the system is so fundamentally broken 
that we can't fix the we can't fix the whole until we've started to fix the individuals. And so it's like maybe that's the place where I can focus. Maybe I can go back. I can fix myself first because I can't go out and try and yeah for sure help other people for if sure. I can't do it myself. Got to put the oxygen mask on yep, you first. Absolutely, and then start to try and work with other people. And these other people then can be empowered to go out and do some big bad awesome things. Um, I know I'm a teacher. I know I'm a, you know I know I use humor, but at the same time I also I also now. I mean, it is the mantra. Avoid toxic anything. That's people, that's situations, that's clubs, that's family. I don't care care who it is. I just, and and it's... But when you start doing that, the people around you aren't going to appreciate it, right? Nope. Because they want you to be like you were because you're making them look bad. It is. So you're just trying to do some little thing for your health or for your mental well-being it's going to set off all kinds of alarm bells to people psychologically. Yep. Like they got to push you back down to where you were because they were yep. comfortable with that. And when other people see you thriving, it throws the mirror on them. Yeah. And so oftentimes other people, well, I can't do that. Like well, Justin's do doing else, anything special with what he's doing at the gym. There's, I, I know it's, it's not very nice to say to Justin and it, it's reflected in myself as well. There's nothing special. I, the number of people that I've had that have come to me like, so what did you do? Like, what was the what was the secret to losing the weight and getting really fit? And I'm like, I start making stuff up until I'm like pineapple juice. <laughs> <laughs> I eat chocolate covered maggots. It's, uh, no, I. And I told them, I said nothing. It's just consistency. It's showing up day in and day out, doing the things that work. And if I identify something, hey, this isn't working. There's one of my minus ones, right? It's a self-awareness thing. You went, you went back. Uh, you said we don't, we're comfortable society. Yeah. Like we don't do anything hard. And, and like, I want listeners to think about like some of the happiest times they've ever been in their life. And they're gonna like try to go to like that vacation on a beach, but yeah. that, that probably wasn't it. It was probably defecation? after. It was probably after you tried you fornication something. or defecation. Vacation. Vacation. I thought you said defecation on a beach. I'm like, what kind of people are you talking about? Vacation. That'd be pretty okay. memorable. The vacation on a beach. Okay. Vacation right. on a beach or, or something like yeah. that, right? That probably wasn't it, though. If you think really hard about it, it was probably after achieving something really hard. Yeah. It was graduating college. It was you know over running a marathon. It was winning a championship in high school having a tough conversation with someone you care about yeah like those are like the happiest times of your life is after something was really hard and you accomplish it so knowing that being self-aware why wouldn't you go seek out some of the most challenging and hard things you can do to find that happiness yep why get like stop spending the I mean not that vacations aren't important and all that stuff but stop like trying to buy the quick fix or yeah. go on the quick trip to find happiness yeah. go find something you've been putting off and don't yeah. want to do and accomplish it and that's that's I mean that's 75 hard yeah. that is what I'm doing it's like I don't want to tell Tyson like there's not been one time in my 50 days so far that I said I want to go do the second workout right like ever not once yeah. has that happened but after it's over I'm like ah, I'm gonna check another day off Without right like that's happiness I, I had a go ahead I had a guy at the gym when he had asked me that question about, you know, how did you do this? I'm like, and I, and we'll call him Dan, right? It's not, his, that's not his name. I said, Dan, you ever showed up to the gym? Because uh, we usually take the same class together. I said, have you ever beat me here? He's like, no, you're always doing something. You're always working out beforehand. You ever left, uh, you ever see me leave before you? 
no, you're always doing another workout afterwards. I said, and there's your answer. I did what you did, and I did more. I said, and, and it's not because I'm special. Like, I'm not faster than you. I'm not stronger than you. But I can keep taking it. And I'm going to put myself in those situations that make me feel uncomfortable. I am now actively seeking discomfort. We went on vacation, and we did we did this, one of the hikes that we did was in... Uh, uh, at, Zion National Park in Utah. It's Angel's Landing. Beautiful place. Gorgeous. 13 people have died on this hike. And, like, I got to the base. Hold on, let's pause. (laughs) 13 people have died on this hike. Eric goes, let's go on vacation there. It was actually my wife that suggested it. They they weren't all, they didn't all die while you were there. No, they did not. That would be That would then be a place I would leave. While we were hiking up, like, I was getting halfway up this thing. And literally, you can look to the left and look to the right. And you you slip, you're you're on the canyon floor. And I stopped there for a good minute, man. My heart's pounding. I want to turn around and run the other way. And there was no way I was going to allow myself to do that. I mean, I sat there. My wife and kids beat me to the top. Dad was the one that was sitting down there going... I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. So some of it was, I'm not going to lie, there was a little ego involved in it. My two young daughters just whooped me to the hill. My wife whoops my ass and everything, so I'm not really worried about that. I lost that ego a long time ago. But I just wasn't going to allow that. I knew that this was uncomfortable. I knew this was hard. And when I came down, I'm telling you what, that felt like a million bucks. Every time I look at those pictures on my phone and I see myself at the top of that summit, I'm just going... I did that. Like, the sense of accomplishment that came from just doing hard things. And we know this. Like, we know this deeply. Once you put that framing on everything, all our media is about that. Like, the Marvel movies, Harry Potter, Star Wars. It's all about that. I even read this this little children's book to my son. It's called Nightmare in My Closet. And the, Mm. the, the... the book is about this kid's going to bed. He's afraid there's a monster in his closet. The monster peeks out. He grabs his toy gun, runs over, and tells the monster to just go back in the closet. The monster starts crying. He invites the monster to come sleep in his bed with him. And then now they're, like, both happily sleeping in bed. And then another monster comes out of the closet, but he's not afraid anymore because he's got this big monster buddy next to him. So I said to my 7-year-old, like, what happened there? He was like, he was afraid. But he stood up to his fear, and I was like, "Yeah." And then look at that! Look at all that power he has now. Yeah. Look how strong he is. Look at that! Look at that ally he has that he was afraid of before. But now he's taken that power. He's brought it yeah. into himself. That's something like he now has available to him, and now he's not afraid of any of the monsters in there anymore either. It's like it's it's everywhere story. when you start looking at that. And but we we watch, we watch it, but we don't do it, right? We don't do that in our lives. We just sit and watch other people. And that's why we watch it because we admire stuff that we can't we do. do. Yeah. yeah. And there is... And in our life, it's not going to be fighting a monster, right? But it's going to be getting up at six to go to the gym when you don't want to. It's going to be choosing, you know, sticking to a diet plan. It's going to be reading a book, right? (laughs) And I always had to remember, like, when I would see Justin post in his, you know, made it to the gym today, I'm like, I'm not impressed, man. I go to the gym, too. But a lot of the people that were looking at it, Justin's audience were for the people that weren't going to the gym. He was trying to encourage people that were. My, my mind shifted on that because I'm I'm very careful not to be a douchebag. Like, sure. like no, like, I never like, thought that. No, no, I know, but like me to myself, I'm I, like, is this douchey? Like, I think for about the record. that. Yeah. I think about that. 
But then I stopped thinking about that when I got my first like private message from somebody. It's like, right. man, you're motivating the hell out of me. Totally. It took one, and I'm like, not gonna stop. It. Yep, keep doing <laughs> it. And, and and I know that there's people that look at it to your point. They go, this like not impressed. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like, you're still fat. But, like they're saying all kinds of negative <laughs> stuff, right? I didn't say that. I know, but yeah. I'm just but saying. Some may. Yeah. It, it, but I get. I mean, I got one the other day. It wasn't about fitness. It was actually about alcohol. But I got a long message the other day about inspiring somebody about that. Yep. And I'm like, this is this is why I'm open. This yep. is why I, I, I treat social media as a way of yep. like, these are all my faults. And I have good stuff and bad stuff. Because I hope that it touches some people in a way that's positive. And I think and, that you using social media, just in, because of my knowledge of you, I think you're open and honest and real on it. I just don't have that feeling with the vast majority of, of other people that I interact with on there, and that's the problem. Like and, I, and maybe it's my stubbornness and my bullheadedness that, like, I'm not going to stop doing this. I'm going to keep fighting against those people and post right. the way you're, like, I feel that you're supposed to post on social sure. media, and hope that more people mimic that. Yeah, you know, and because uh, like that's there, there's a few of us out there. Like I see other people that are posting very vulnerable things on social yeah. media. And I always make sure to go or private message or comment publicly and be like, dude, I appreciate your bravery of sharing that. Yep. Because I, I, we all, our lives are all really, really hard. Yep. And we just don't want to talk about it. Yep. One of my running <laughs> clients is an Instagram influencer. And she's she's amazing. She posts, all, I mean, and I, I watch people say things about, on her posts, about how, how inspiring she is and stuff she's gone through, struggles with her kids while trying to be a runner, struggles with being an employee while trying to be a runner. Um, and, I, and I see that, and it's so weird that I can't put myself in those shoes. And I, I think it's because I'm, I, I'm also just not comfortable and I don't know if it's a vulnerability thing because I'm not, I would sit down and have a very vulnerable conversation with any person. Social media just, I, maybe it's what I also do for a living. I, I see such, it's, it's destroying my classrooms. It's destroying the topic that I teach. Donald Trump became president because of social media. There is no other reason. And ignoring Wisconsin and Michigan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it, but his, his shtick and who he was, this has been created. The, the monster was created in social media. Yeah. Um, I, I've been thinking about humor, too. Yeah. Um, it's been on my mind because I like to have a good time at work. I like to tell some jokes to lighten things up. I like to make sure we're not taking stuff too, too seriously while we're doing our job, you know. Uh, State Farm's got $135 billion, so you got to take it. You know, it's a, it's a big company. you got to take it somewhat seriously. But if you're just always just grinding, never having a good time, you're not getting through the day, right? Yeah. But now we're on – now we're on uh, – The actuarial department really chucks it up, let me tell you. <laughs> well, the bar's really low, too. That's the thing. But now that we're on, like, Skype all the time, like, now you tell a joke, everyone's on mute. You can't tell if anybody likes it anymore. <laughs> and so I've, I've been really pondering this. And, like, so – because I've always said, I think you agree with me, Justin. And people are like, "Is that funny? It's not funny. It's not funny." I'm like, "Something's funny if people laugh at it." Yeah, hundred percent. That's it. That's what humor is. Is you say something, people laugh. It's funny. It doesn't matter if it's like sensitive. That was, or that was Jerry Seinfeld, actually, that I got that from. Because oh, okay. someone asked Jerry Seinfeld, "When do you know if a joke's offensive or, or or not?" He goes, "If it's funny, it's not offensive." Yeah. He goes, and, "If no one laughs, it's probably offensive." Yeah. So, I've been, so I've been thinking about it to, to bring it back Fair. to social media. If all you're interacting with people is on social, then no one's laughing at anything. Yeah. You don't know if they're laughing at all. So you say this thing out there, 
You say it, boom, silence. No matter whether it's the funniest thing in the world, highly offensive, confusing, poorly written, like, you have no idea. I mean, people will like it or people will write LOL, but, you know, I've been sitting next to someone, you do something, they write LOL, and I'm like, you didn't actually laugh out loud because I'm, like, sitting right, sitting right next to you. You're <laughs> lying to me. So it's interesting to me, too, to think about, like, my kids, if so much of their humor is based on, like, TikTok, YouTube, social yep. media, but you don't actually know what does anything to make somebody laugh. Yep. Like, what is humor at that point? Well, I, I think agree. it's destructive, frankly. I agree. Well, and, and I... Social media has become, it, it takes very little effort to do a cursory level of research and see the rise of extremist rhetoric, racism, sexism. I mean, listen, all that was there beforehand. It gives it a platform. But it yeah. has been, it, it, or, it, not just a platform, it gave it the platform, the megaphone, the microphone, like it has been. Or it's people who are trying to be funny and they don't know that no one's laughing at their stuff. Because if you just type out what a lot of comedians say, I hate articles like, Bill yeah. Maher offends on this, and they type out his editorial. I'm like, well, yeah, if you take a humor bit and you type it in, like, an article, it's not going to be funny. Right. So I really struggle with, like, oh, there's all these racist comments online. Like, yeah, I'm sure that there are there are some. There's also some people who just don't understand that they're not funny and not clever. Yeah. But they're not getting that feedback or anything, right? So I, I guess I'm not so worried about the person who's trying to be funny. It's the one that's, like, kill all Jews. I don't That wasn't a joke. That was... You said something pretty horrible. Um, and there, I mean, there are literally people. I go, giant St. Louis Cardinal fan. The number. <laughs> That's quite of a transition. Home, the number. Of, <laughs> I'll bring it back. <laughs> All right. Well, I think for today we're out time. The so. number of posts on the St. Louis Post Dispatch Cardinal page <laughs> that do off topic. The one that was at the top of today's was off topic. Told you Trump really won. And then it was this scree of posts. Proving nobody can see my air quotes. Proving that Trump won the election, and I just sit there and I'm going, "Wow, guys! Like you have not been able to let this go for this long." I mean, in everything in there, it was it was like Mike Lindell, right? The My Pillow Talk guy cruises the St. Louis Post Dispatch, St. Louis Cardinals, because that's basically the same type of rhetoric going on there. And it's just like that is so damaging to to the institutions that that we have built in this country. Um, and I, that's the part where I'm like, those are the platforms that. But are like, you should leave that party, right? Without a so again, going back to my argument of social media magnifies everything. If I walk into a party and that's going on, I'm but leaving. Like, see, and and I, <laughs> I read, well, I clicked on the first, and then I immediately went right. no, and I got right back it's out because I couldn't do it. There's actually a. Uh, a term called Godwin's Law. It's that the longer that any uh, common thread goes on online, the chances of Nazis being brought up approaches <laughs> approaches 100%. So gotta be. Anytime you look on YouTube, you see, you know, there's 50,000 comments. You're like, yeah, there's, there's some, some Nazi. 100% sure there's some Nazis or Hitlers in there. So, um, yeah, it's not a good not a good thing. But again, to me, it's about control. What I do is I uh, I actually just block all in. I don't block. I like unfollow all individual people on social. Yeah, me too. And so I see like news, I see information. If I want to know what's going on with somebody, yeah. I can go look for them. Yep. But I don't have like, you know, Aunt Jane's like anti 
Biden rant just popping in while I'm trying to look at dog pictures or like what what the pickup schedule for the trash in Bloomington is, you know, like it's and it, it helps you. It can, you can control it, but it's man, it's an unwieldy beast. You're right, and we have also like even God, that would take you forever to unfollow all those people. There are, <laughs> let's say there are nasty local bloggers. Don't go look at their sites. Don't go. I mean, don't give them anything. But we. We still like a good train wreck in this country, and we can't not. So what you going back to your point, Eric? Yeah. Don't have room for any kind of toxic None. stuff. Fine. Well, this is me. speaking of great train wrecks. This has been awesome having you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we appreciate over the it. Place. We'll do this again soon. Wish I mean, you could stay longer. Just sitting down talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm Very glad fun, you got man. to join us. Uh, we need to catch up anyway. So we'll do. Yeah. Hey, if awesome. um, if people want to. Uh, learn more about yeah. what you're doing yeah. give, give a quick plug here before yep. you go so I will have a social media account being built that I am not going to maintain <laughs> I was really hoping you'd be like check me out on Facebook am, Twitter <laughs> Instagram the message will TikTok. be relayed to me the best <laughs> way you can give me a phone call 309-212-2102 okay. or you can shoot me an email at ericrankin15 at gmail.com I like to talk to humans all right. So anytime that we can connect, I'd love to help in any way that I can. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for gentlemen. Me. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. I shall. I'm off to Peoria. Woo. <laughs> Thank you for the beer, by the way. Yeah. Yep. See you, guys. Yeah. See you, man. That was fun. That was fun. Makes was, me want to be a better person. I feel, I, I feel like uh, Eric came in, we like got in the middle of a tornado, and then he just left. Yeah, he <laughs> like, kind of does like like There that. wasn't a whole lot of structure to our conversation. We were a little bit all over the place, but hopefully people can pick out That's a fun. few pieces they like. I just heard a thing recently about how podcasts might be reviving an ancient tradition that people have sitting around the campfire or sitting out on front porches just talking, getting to know each other, just sharing their sharing their views. And you, it's it's like reviving this... this uh, verbal conversational culture that's really part of being human but it hasn't hasn't existed for a while air conditioning keeps people inside even the printed word has been the predominant way we're communicating and just want to hang out and talk to people and some people like to listen in you know it's good to listen in i agree i mean I, that, from the time we started pod bn right it was that we were going to have these conversations anyway let's not let's go ahead and record them yeah um, for sure, and, man. And that's what whenever we think about who to bring on and what to talk about I think we always try to bounce it off of that just to would we be having this conversation anyway yeah yeah <laughs> that's not and, anything forced yeah and we don't I mean and to your point about I've been thinking about this this podcast in terms of this whole theme of like how do we spend our time what are my goals Absolutely. and um, it's uh, it's something I want to enjoy right it's something I want to have a good time doing and so I'll lean in and try to talk to somebody and try to tease stuff out of them, but these are the times when I enjoy it, just hanging out and talking to <laughs> talking to interesting people. Right? My favorite podcasts we have are just conversations like what we just had with Eric, um, getting to know somebody, getting to know how they think. I think that's what that's what interests me the most. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, we never wanted this podcast to be any more than you know. Hopefully, a few people listen and yeah. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot by making it hyper local. Like if if we had aspirations for becoming like the next big national podcast. That we really didn't pick a good niche, but it's something that's fun to do, right? Yeah. So, and, I we would, got, and we got day jobs, so. I never thought that Joe Rogan money was coming, so. All right, man. Well, have a good uh, good luck with your rest of your 25 days. Yeah, thank you. Um, I th- hopefully, it's downhill from here. I, uh, the hardest part was, honestly, when my daughter was in softball. Now that that's up, I have a little bit extra time, and yeah. it feels like it's much easier now. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Good to talk to you. Yeah, Thanks you for too, man. Thanks for getting together today. See you.